Nations Church Podcast. take the plunge. I want to get baptized that day. They came down as two ladies. I think both of them had skirts on. Um, it was awesome. It was chaotic, and it was fantastic, and I think that's the way church should be. Um, I think it's supposed to be messy. I think it's supposed to be chaotic, because when Jesus showed up, he brought chaos to the situation. Um, there were people tearing off roofs to let the, the paralyzed get down to experience healing. And so, man, I just say let's embrace the chaos of what God is doing here at Foundation Church, the chaos that is our children's wing. I know that it's way too crowded. We're running out of room in Foundation Church. That's because Jesus is showing up. He's changing people's lives, and there's great things happening. Um, and so I just want to say there are so many good things happening, and next week we have Mother's Day um, all the way across here, and we're going to be having this uh, photo booth for the mom because moms we get it you want photos and so this is a vw bug that will be here that is a photo booth that's going to be uh, amazing for you to take pictures you're actually going to get pictures printed off like little strips of pictures like little kind of polaroid type pictures to take home with you. There will also be digital copies that will be sent to you or that you can download from our website. Um, but this is going to be happening next week. So let me tell all the mamas here, because I know how long it takes to get the good, perfect picture, right? You're like, you didn't smile pretty, you, you know, and you're like giving your kids a complex. Smile pretty, smile for well, what are you saying about all my other smiles, you know? And um, so I'm just going to tell you, get here early because we're going to have somebody there that's going to be like, okay, you got 30 seconds to take your picture because here's why if we don't time it and we get people in and out not everybody's going to get a chance so don't get mad well we didn't get to take off 500 pictures right because we need to let everybody else take pictures but this is a great time all you mamas Man, use the power of your day to get your children, um, everybody else here. It's a great day to invite people to come to Foundations Church. Um, and so this will be here next week for Mother's Day. Guys, suck it up and just take one for the team. Take a picture. Be like, you ain't my mama. It doesn't matter. She gave birth to your kids and did a whole lot more work than you did. So smile and be happy. Fake it till you make it. Um, and that's what needs to happen. We are um, in a new series this week called So You Want to Be Rich. So You Want to Be Rich. And really the context of this graphic comes from Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21 and verse 24. It says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moths, that's what that is. Some of you are like, what is that thing? Is it a dragon? Um, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 through 21 and verse 24. Now some of you are going, oh great. Great, you're asking me to bring my kids so you can do a series on money. What a crooked pastor. Um, that's not what this series is about. 
Um, so everybody, you can let go of your wallet. I'm not going after it. Um, calm down. Uh, this series is about simply we are a culture and even churches that are pursuing the wrong thing to be rich in. Um, if you look at our culture, there's a reason uh, uh, the lottery is so popular. There's a reason the Powerball is so popular. There's a reason that people jump from job to job, from, uh, 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 from, you know, from career to career trying to make more and more money. There's a reason some of you in this place have responded to your, your, your distant uncle from Nigeria who, who you didn't know is a prince. And if you will just forward that back, you're going to be a millionaire. There's a reason you bit on that email and now you got LifeLock instead, right? I mean, now you're trying to figure this all out because that Nigerian uncle stole your identity. Like, you're like, well, he, he's not a good uncle at all. Um, we're trying to get rich, right? We're trying to get more money because what we have is never enough. We're trying to make the quick dollar, we're trying to get more wealthy. And, and hear me, this isn't a message that's about if you're wealthy, you're awful. Because I don't believe that either. I think God has given us certain talents and abilities, every single one of them. And man, if you make a great living, great. Just be obedient in that great living and the finances that he's entrusted you with. But this isn't about saying if you're rich, you're a horrible person because I know there's that belief out there too and that you have to live in poverty in order to really love the Lord. This isn't that message either. So everybody just calm down, right? <laughs> but what does, what does the Bible tell us to really be rich in? What's he tell us to, if anything, how to be rich in this world, and not just how, but what to be rich in this world? Our series, really, our main text for our series is found in 1 Timothy chapter 6, um, and it's just the whole chapter, but today we're going to concentrate on verses 17 through 19, and it says this, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. It's okay to enjoy what God has blessed you with, okay? You don't have to feel guilty about that new car, Justin Reynolds. I like that truck. It's good. Like, if you get something new, invite me, because I am the guy that's going to be excited. If you get a new pool, invite me. I'm going to come and do a big cannonball in it. Like, if you get a raise, I'm going to be the one like, whoa! Um, who gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Verse 18, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be, here it is, they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. Verse 18, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. The first thing I want to tell us from this text is simply this. Some of us, we need to stop trying to get rich and instead be rich. Some of us, we need to stop trying to get rich, trying to make that quick dollar and understand God has blessed you in this place to be 
rich. Verses 18 through 9, they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. There's a world wealth calculator online. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, ever researched it. You can put in your annual income and it ranks you where you rank and the percentage of the world. And so I did this for for all of us here, um, and you guys can check my calculations. I wouldn't lie about this. Um, There may be some things I'd lie about, but not this. Um, And so this morning, if you are... In the, uh, you make $100,000 a year. This isn't, I'm not even counting insurance and benefits. If you make $100,000 a year, you are in the top 0.08% of the world's wealthiest people. Point, not 0.8%, 0.08%. If you make $50,000, okay, let's take it, cut it in half. If you make $50,000, you're in the top 0.31% of the world's wealthiest population. Let's cut that in half. Let's say you make $25,000. You are still in the top 2% of the world's wealthiest people. Let's cut it down yet again. Well, I still don't know. If you make $15,000, you're in the top 8% of the wealthiest people. So today I'm assuming that somewhere amongst there, our average, our average, I'm talking to the world's top 5% wealthiest people in all the world right now. Congratulations. You've been wanting to strike it rich. You're rich. Right? You're like, I wish I knew a rich person. You're the rich person. You're it. Yeah, and here it is. We can spend our whole life trying to get rich and not realize we truly are rich. And the Bible's saying this, man, all you that are rich, which is every single one of us in this place, all you who are rich don't have a big bank account. Man, man, don't have a good retirement plan. Have it. That's not, that's not a bad thing. Hear me. Don't read between the lines today, okay? Oh, he's saying that's horrible. No, 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 no. I'm just not going to save him because I believe Jesus is coming back. That's a stupid plan. <laughs> I've heard people say that, and I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you need to be wise. But if you were to look at our society and church collectively as, as a whole, Man, we're running after getting rich instead of running after being rich. We are consumed with trying to get more instead of using what we have to do good works. And every single one of us, you have the ability, you have the resources, you have the time, you have the talent to do good. The question is, are you willing to be a do-gooder? Are you wi- it's not a matter of, well, I'm not called to do that. No, every single one of us, you're rich. So you're called. Are you willing to be a do-gooder? Because what I understand is that you and I, I'm in this boat together with you. Today I'm not preaching at you. I am with you in the trenches today. 
We get caught up pursuing things that God's never called us to pursue in the first place. This past week, my daughter, uh, my oldest, Charlie, she went to Incredible Pizza with her school. And when you go to Incredible Pizza, it's some of the worst pizza in the world. If you own Incredible Pizza, I'm glad you're here, but you got to work on your pizza game, man. Um, Let's talk about this. If you own Chuck E. Cheese, man, take it back to showbiz. Showbiz was so much better than Chuck E. Cheese. Come on. Some, some of you are like, what's showbiz? The greatest place ever. If some of you are looking for a good investment tool, let's talk about opening Crystal's Pizza back up because, oh, my goodness. I'm telling you. Man, okay, anyways. Um, some of you are like, yes, Jesus is in this place. Um, we, 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 Charlie went to Incredible Pizza. It's got the worst pizza. I mean, it's just horrible. You're like, you know. I'm like, I tell my kids, I'll go, but I'm not eating. Like, I'm going to go eat good pizza. I'm a pizza snob. I will readily admit it. Um, and so they, she went and she had money to go. And really the big thing about Incredible Pizza is the midway. It's the games, right? And you go into Incredible Pizza, and I'm the world's worst at this. I say, okay, I've got a set amount that we're going to spend on video games. And you get in there, and you start getting tickets, and i got to tell you, you get caught up in the tickets. <laughs> you do. You see this little brat running around with like 500 tickets, and you've got like 25, and you're like, oh, we can beat that. Come on. You know, let's go. And you're playing a little fishing game where it's like the, the wheel that goes around, and you're just praying to hit the 5,000 bonus, you know, and you're just, you just get consumed in getting incredible pizza rich, right? Like you want to get all these tickets, and you get to the counter, and you've got like 12,000 tickets, right, that you've spent so much time for. And it buys you squat. <laughs> my daughter <laughs> came home, and I have really had to work on my enthusiasm here. She came home, and she's like, Dad, I went to Incredible Pizza, and look what I got. <laughs> no lie. This is what she brought home Tuesday. And I'm like, how much did you spend for that, babe? $20. <laughs> I'm like, babe, that, that's, that's impressive. <laughs> and I think it was at that moment, because she could tell, I'm not like trying to crush a dream like that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen $20 spent on. I think she was like, yeah, yeah, that's not all that good for $20, is it, Dad? And here's the deal. You get caught up because you're around all the other people trying to get incredible pizza rich. And what I have figured out is many times we are incredible pizza rich. We get consumed with stuff that really doesn't matter. It, it just doesn't matter. God looks at our cars and our houses. And I read a book that said, man, build kingdoms instead of castles. Oh, it's so good. Man, and I think he looks at all of the stuff that we're trying to build and it looks like this to him. He's like, really? <laughs> you spent your whole life for this? Right? And I think, I really do, I think God's like, man, man wait, why, wait, wait, where, did, where did you get that from? <laughs> where did you think that was a good idea? It, and as the Bible's telling us to be rich in good works. What did, what's that mean? 
Like we can say, okay, I got to be rich in good works, but, but what does that mean as us, to us as a follower of Christ? Well, Jesus said this. Jesus said, if, if you're going to be a rich good, do-gooder, right? If you're going to be a rich do-gooder, if you're going to really do good works, then you've got to do this. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 29, it says this. One day an expert in religious law, we'll call him a Bible professor, um, stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How, how do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbors yourself. Right, <laughs> Jesus told him, do this and you will live, right? So, so Jesus is breaking this down, and, and, and he, it's, he's like, okay, if you're going to do this, it, it's real simple. It's love God and love others. Look, if you're going to be a rich do-gooder, you cannot be a rich do-gooder without loving God and loving others. And then this Bible teacher, this religious expert, right, asked this question. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who exactly is my neighbor? Right, I, I, I love, I, I can't stand this guy, but I love that this guy is in the Bible and this question. Because like when I read this, I'm like, this guy, come on now. You know, like, really, man? But he is trying to see what he has to do instead of what he can do. The, the, what's the minimum I have to do? And, and Jesus, who, let, between you and me. Who's really my neighbor? Like, I, I know, love your neighbor, but, but what? Surely not everyone, right? Like, you know some of the people you made are just crazy, right? I mean, and who is my neighbor? And, and this thing is so simple, right? Love God, love others. And this guy shows us our second point, don't complicate what should be simple. Man, if you're going to be rich in doing good works, you cannot complicate what is really basic, what is really elementary, and that is this, is that some of us, we've got the loving God that thing down. We're like, okay, I can, I can love God, I can do this, but, but Jesus is saying this, you can't love God and not love people. In fact, it's what pretty much all of 1 John's all about. The beloved disciple, the one that Jesus loved the most, we got it, John. You don't have to keep saying it in your gospel, right? Um, he's saying this, man, if you don't love people, you don't have a clue who God is. You, you have no idea who God even is. What are we called to be rich in? What are we called to pursue? What are we called to be do-gooders in? It's loving God and loving our neighbor. Now, I don't know if you've, I, I should get product placement, by the way, for um, the messages I do. I don't know if you've ever been to the Cheesecake Factory, right? Some of you are like, that sounds so good right now, and you're gonna go there right after this message. Um, but I don't, I don't know if you've ever been to the Cheesecake Factory, but the Cheesecake Factory started off in a basement in Detroit. 
Um, this lady just found a recipe and she started making cheesecakes for all these different bakeries and she had 20 different flavored cheesecakes and that's all the Cheesecake Factory started out being. Now if you go to the Cheesecake Factory, you are handed a novel for a menu. There are 20 pages in this thing, 20 pages for a menu. There's over 250 different items on this menu. So if you're ever asked this question, if you could only live or eat at one restaurant for the rest of your life, where would you eat? Cheesecake Factory, okay? <laughs> that doesn't even include their skinny-licious menu. I mean, we're... I'm like, really? <laughs> you, <laughs> you had to make a separate menu? Like, you didn't have enough room in your 20 pages? Like, come on. And here's the deal. What started off so simple is so complicated. And my thing is this. When I go to the Cheesecake Factory, I will order an entree. I may order a piece of chocolate cake, but I don't eat cheesecake because it's of the devil. It tastes nasty. It's like, Ugh. Some of you I know, I just lost you. I know I just lost you. Boo. <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm out. <laughs> Here's the deal. I know I'm the weird one. I know, I know, but it hits my gag reflex. I can't do it. And you're like, you have to try this cheesecake. I've tried them all. I gag every time. It's not changing. Growing equals changing is not applicable in this part of my life, Okay. When I go there, I don't even experience what they're known for, cheesecake, right? Can I tell you, that's what's happening so much in the church today. People show up, and we've complicated this whole gospel, and we've made it into something that it was never intended to be about. Man, people come in. I'm not talking about foundation. I'm talking about the big C church, the, the Lord's church. They come into the church... And people don't experience acceptance and love. They're experiencing judgment. They're experiencing how, they're trying to figure out their first visit, how do I fit into this place? And Foundation Church, that can't be. We go out of this place and we're supposed to be, we, we know that loving God and loving others isn't just on Sunday morning. That's what we're supposed to do when we leave this building. If you want to see the church powerful, it's when we leave, live this out outside of these doors. And we're called to love God and love others, and yet a lot of people haven't even experienced that part of Christianity. And we wonder why it's trailing down and trending down and churches are closing. It's because we've made it into something like this. Instead of keeping what is simple, really simple, we've made it super, uber complicated. So who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? Uh, this question is asked, and Jesus goes right into it, right, right into a, a parable about the Good Samaritan, right? You read on through the text, and he goes into this parable about the Good Samaritan. There's a guy that's, that's been beaten up and robbed, and there's two people that pass by before the Good Samaritan. There's a pastor or priest, whatever you want to call it, and he comes in. He's like, oh, I'm not going to mess with you. You know, you, you, you're in rough shape. I'm going to keep going. Then there's a, a church volunteer, a Levite, right? There's, I go to church. I'm a volunteer at church. I serve, save people, serve people. That's what 
we do. And they pass by and they're like, oh, no, 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 no. I can't, I can't do this. And then a good Samaritan comes by. And when Jesus says Samaritan, oh, Jesus is a crafty guy. He knows exactly what he's saying because the Jews despised the Samaritans. The Jews were considered a pure race. But Samaritans, they were not considered pure Jews. They were Jews. They were the offspring of Jews who, man, had, had relations, whatever, however we're going to play, put this tastefully, um, married people from the northern kingdom while Israel was in exile. And that's where the Samaritan race came from. And so the Samaritans were not allowed to worship in the temple with the other Jewish people. The Jewish men had this one place and the Jewish women had the place right behind the Jewish men. And then way back here was the Samaritans spot. And that's where the Samaritans got to worship. That's where the Samaritans were because the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. And he asked this guy, so the Samaritan's the one that helps this guy that's beat up and broke. So who would you say your neighbor is? And if you read the text carefully, the, the religious expert can't even bring himself to say the Samaritan. He says the last one. Right? Oh, the last guy. It's like, it's like when you get on your kids and they say, sorry. Like, so, sorry, okay? Like, this is that moment. So the last one, the guy I don't want to like, the guy I don't want to love. So Foundation Church, who's, who's your neighbor? <laughs> We're going to get in your Kool-Aid, Karen. For all of you who love Fox News, it's those who watch MSNBC. For all of you that watch MSNBC, it's those who watch Fox News. For all of you who vote Republican, it's the Democrats. For all of you who are vote Democrat, it's the Republicans. For all of you that love the burn, it's the Trump voters. What? Are you kidding me right now? For all of you Trump voters, it's those who voted for Hillary. Who would do such a thing? Right? For all of you tatted up edgy people, it's loving the middle-aged businessmen. And for the middle-aged businessmen, it's loving all the tatted up edgy people. Can I tell you where I see the big split happening in churches now? It's the young loving the old and the old loving the young. It's not saying, man, you know what? These baby boomers, we, we have, I don't know what is in the mind of these millennials. I just don't get them. It doesn't matter if you get them. You're not called to get them. You're called to love them. Amen. Millennials, I don't understand baby boomers. Where's their, where's their sense of adventure? Just live this carefully. It's not about them becoming like you. It's just about you loving them for who they are. It's about loving white people, black people, Hispanic people, and not just on Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> Do you know Sunday mornings are the most segregated time in our nation? We have white churches, we have black churches, we have rich churches, we have poor churches. Man, where's just the church? Loving our neighbors. The rich sitting by the poor, the white sitting by the black, the Hispanic, men, the Asian. I mean, what we have diversified what should really be singular and moving forward as his church. Who's your neighbor? 
Man, who's your neighbor is simply this. It's about loving people that are different than you. It's about loving anyone, any race, any creed, any social background, and catch this point. I'm saying it very purposeful, any lifestyle. Are, are you saying it's not? Uh, this is not about what's right or wrong. It's a lot more fun to love people than judge people, though, church. And our job is not to judge people. Our job is to love people because when you love them, that's when they get to experience the power of Jesus Christ and what he has done. And it's his job to change people. It's our job to love people. And when we get those two confused, people get hurt, people get burned, and people run away from church and a relationship with Jesus Christ because we have complicated what should be simple. Who's your neighbor? Man, it's people you don't get. It's people that get on your nerves. It's people that, man, you're like, oh, what are they doing with their life? That's your neighbor. It's your spouse when they're driving you crazy. It's your kids when they're being stupid. Oh, they're going to have their stupid moment. Just wait for it. <laughs> it's coming for you. What does, it, what does it mean to love? Love means acting to meet a person's need. Wherever you live, wherever you work, and wherever you go to church, people have need. This means it will take your time. I'll say that again. We just want to throw money at it. No, 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 no. It means it will take your time because time's your most valuable resource now. It will interrupt your schedule. Don't all you type A. I've been driving you crazy the last few weeks. What? Interrupt my schedule. That's that's loving your neighbor. Read the story of the Good Samaritan. It interrupted the Good Samaritan's schedule that he had planned. And sometimes it will mean using your resources. That's what it means to love your neighbor. But Jesus didn't leave it there, right? That'd be great. Okay, I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to love people who are different than me. Jesus, Jesus takes it even further. And he says this in Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 20, 36, excuse me. He says, but to those who are willing to listen, if you're still willing to listen right now, hear me. I say love your enemies. What? Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. I'm telling you, I have not reached this point yet with that. I'm like, you hit me in the face. <laughs> you know, um, if someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Verse 32, I tell you, this passage beats me up. If you only love those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. If you only do good to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners lend, lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. 
Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will be acting as children of the Most High God, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Can I tell you, it's easy to love pretty people, but you got to commit to loving the uglies. You do. It's easy to love neat people, but man, messy people, you're like, oh, Justin, why are you reading this scripture right now? You don't know what happened this past week, this past month. Let's flesh this. I I like getting specific. You know what this means for all of you that are from divorce? It means loving your ex-spouse. Does well, Justin. You don't know how much they hurt me. You don't know how much they hate me. Jesus talked about that just then. He said, "Love those who hate you." And I think I'm pretty sure somewhere in the Bible it talks about not hating others, or you're a murderer yourself. Man, you're called to love those that have hurt you. Love those who have tainted your reputation. Love those who have hurt you financially, have hurt your kids. I, uh, I know, I get it. But man, do you know what loving does? It releases you from hate. It releases you from becoming a bitter person. So that employer that fired you for no good reason, love that person. Man, that, that friend who's no longer your friend and is now your enemy and they betrayed and they told secrets of, that you shared with them and intimate details of your life, you've got to love that person. It's very, very simple. Loving God and loving people. That's it. It's, it's, it's not this. It's not complicated. What are we called to be rich in? So you want to be rich, right? I want to be rich called to be rich in loving God and loving others. Because if you don't love good, you can't do good. If you don't love good, you can't do good. And it's really easy to say you love, you love your neighbor, but it's also really easy to do. You just got to start doing it. Amen. And this morning, I, man, I encourage you, Foundation Church, You will not understand the joy that comes to your life when you don't just start loving your Savior, but you start loving your neighbor and your enemies and other people because there is a joy that enters your life because you have released yourself from unforgiveness and bitterness and anger. And you are starting to function the way Christ has called his children to function. Let's be rich in doing good and in loving others. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. And man, God, I, I, I'm right there in the midst of this message with everybody else that God, there's times I struggle with this. There's times people have done things to me. They've hurt me. They tried to ruin me. God, you haven't called me to hate people, but to love people. And sometimes that's just hard. It's a matter of letting go of the past so I can step into the present and the future you have for me. Lord, I I pray that this text from 1 Timothy chapter 6 
command those who are rich, that's every single one of us in this place, to be rich in doing good works. And Lord, those good works is a loving, God, it's so simple. It's loving you and loving others. It's not about judging others. It's about loving others. It's not about qualifying who we love. It's just about loving those who are in our lives so they can see there is hope, there's a plan, there's a purpose, there's forgiveness, there is joy, there is peace that can be theirs because, God, you love them just as much as you love us. And so, God, I pray that in this place you would help us with this. God, not just to say it, but to live it. God, don't let us complicate this thing about, God, it's real simple what the biggest thing we should be about. It is loving you and loving others. Simple. But how quickly we get away from this and we make life about everything else. We get incredible pizza rich so quickly and we stop pursuing the things that you've called us to pursue. Lord, refocus our attention. God, redirect our efforts that we would not build our castles, but we would build your kingdom. And the Lord, you would use us and to be the light of the world. In Jesus' name, I pray with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning if you're here and you just say, Justin, I'm here and I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, we want to give you that chance. This morning, if, if you're in this place, you say, man, Justin, I, I, I've just drifted. Hebrews 2.1 says this, listen to the truth carefully or you'll drift into danger. Some of us, we've just drifted away from the truth. And today, we need to be intentional about coming back home. And you say, Justin, that's me. And I just need to stop drifting and I need to come back home. I need to recommit my life to Jesus because I've drifted away. When I count to three, if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. And we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. One, two, Three, is there anyone here this morning? You say, Justin, that's me. Yeah, there's one, there's two. Is there anyone else? You join these two hands that are lifted before we go any further in service. There's one more, there's three. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, is there any, that's, that's me. Man, I just know there's a change that needs to be made in my life. And before we miss this place, before we miss this point, when we move on, is there anyone else? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned, that I've made a mess of things, but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I ask that your grace and your love will come into my life. God, the life that I'm living, man, I don't want that anymore. I turn away from it to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these three individuals a raise our hand a huge round of applause? Yeah.
Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or are in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at Nicole at foundationschurch.tv. Thank you.